LinkedIn presents. From entrepreneurship to global business leadership, from challenges to self-discovery to our ever-changing future, what separates those who win and those who get passed by? This is the Yes Factor with Winnie Sun. Adulthood is no easy walk in the park. In fact, it's more like a steep, unpaved hike full of twists and turns and obstacles you never saw coming. It's tough, and it can oftentimes seem like an impossible journey to brave on your own. Fortunately, it turns out that you're not alone. There are billions of adults making their way out in the world, striding down all different walks of life, and support is always out there. In your case, support is right here in front of you. On this episode of Yes Factor, I'm excited to introduce you to a friend of mine who happens to be an exceptional mentor to those in need. She's Julie Lithcott Hames, New York Times bestselling author, TED speaker, and activist. And get this, she's also a huge cheerleader for humans. Julie's widely known for her bestseller, How to Raise an Adult, and she's here today to talk about her latest release. Your turn, how to be an adult. The journey through adulthood may be challenging, but you're 100% not in this alone. The journey through adulthood may be challenging, but you're 100% not in this alone. We're here today for an uplifting conversation about identity, what it means to be pro-human, and how to find your way in the midst of it all. Let's jump right in. Today's guest is someone I have been excited to welcome to the show. So let me not go on any longer and introduce you to Julie Lithcott Hames. Julie, welcome to the show. Winnie, it's so great to be with you and your amazing community. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it is such an honor to have you. And in fact, if for those of you who are new to Julie, let me just tell you, if you just do a quick Google search on her, you will be amazed. I had the pleasure of meeting her uh, a few months ago, and I was like, I can't wait to have her. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask her, I'm going to email her, I'm going to see if she could do this. But let me just go through this with you just so you can see. So Julie believes that she believes in humans, don't we all? But especially so. And she's deeply interested and gets in what gets in our way. Her work encompasses writing, speaking, teaching, mentoring, and activism. And actually, when I, she's going to share something very special with you today. Today, And I think it's going to be like one of the first times she's talking about it, so I'm super excited. But she's a New York Times best-selling author of How to Raise an Adult, which gave rise to, we talked about, the popular TED Talk, her second book, Real American, and her third book, as you know, Your Turn, How to Be an Adult. Uh, she's based in San Francisco with her beautiful family. She has degrees from Stanford, Harvard Law, and California College of the Arts, and she currently serves on numerous boards, including, now many of parents will know this, Common Sense Media, the Black Women's Health Imperative, and so many more. So, Julie, how are you today, by the way? And how do you do all that you do? <laughs> Winnie, uh, I'm well today, and I don't say that lightly. I think we've all been through our own roller coaster with the pandemic. It's hit each of us differently. And We've been impacted personally in terms of our health, in terms of our families, in terms of our income, our work. You know, many of us have been hit. And so I'm able to say today I'm feeling well. Uh, I've got my baby girl visiting home. She goes to college on the East Coast and she's with us for just a few short weeks. And, you know, for those of us who are parents, when you've had a kid grow up and 
uh, kind of sort of fledge the nest when they come back. You just have this like woohoo, fluttery feeling of delight. And I'm in that space right now, real rootedness in family right now, even as work is quite busy. Um, but I'm super excited about a couple new projects and I know we're going to talk more about that. I know. I, I love what you said. I, I feel the same way. Like, you know, my kids are off in school right now, but like the moment they get home, Julie, I feel like, like it's like your happy place, right? Everything, like nothing can really get you down because you just feel complete at that time, you know, but I want to talk to you about this. First off, we got to talk about the website. We got to talk about some of the projects, but can, I, I want to jump right to the beginning of this because this is actually really excites me. Your website says that you root for humans. I root for humans. I think like we are pro-human, right, Julie here? But when you talk about that, what do you mean by that? And how does your, re your work reflect this rooting for humans? I feel deeply in the core of my being that all of us matter which is a concept that has really been pushed and called into question in recent years when a lot of attention has been drawn to the fact that black lives tend to be treated quite differently in this company at the hands of law enforcement and the judiciary, in schooling, in lending, and so on. So as a black and biracial person, I, I came into the world knowing that uh, many people thought something was wrong with my black father, with my parents' marriage, they're white, my mother's white. And uh, I sensed also that maybe something was wrong with me. I'm a child born right as the Supreme Court was saying that the laws saying interracial marriage were illegal, were no longer constitutional. And so um, my family was transgressing the norms when my parents dared to marry and have me. And I think I sensed that. I didn't know any of the details, of course, the laws when I was little, but I sensed this unbelonging. And I think it rooted in me this sense of that's unfair, that's not right, that's mean, that's cruel, that's potentially really violent, actually. And so I have this deep-rooted sense of all of us matter, and I am, in fact, rooting for all of us to make it. It's not a messiah complex, Winnie. I'm not like, I have the power to save all humans, but rather just this simple hope that I can use my life to be of use to humans somehow all the time. I love that. You know, some use to humans all the time. We, we love that, right? We want to have hope that like, regardless of our backgrounds and our parents and our, the color of our skin and that, that we all matter and that all of us have that inner kindness that's still built into, you know, let's talk about this. So your newest book and actually, you know, Julie, I feel like we need to talk about a lot of projects. It's not just your newest book, but I also know you have something very special to talk about today. So I'm going to let you decide how you want to take this, but I want to tell me, tell me about what's new. Tell me what's exciting in your life right now that we want to share to the audience watching today. I appreciate that. So I'm in my third career. I was a lawyer who became a university dean and then who became an author. And I have the privilege of writing books and going around the world to speak about these books. And my latest book, uh, you can see it behind me there on a poster, but here it is in real life. Um, it's called Your Turn, How to Be an Adult. And this is me full of compassion saying to millennials and older Gen Zs, who say, I don't want to adult. I don't know how to adult. Adulting is scary. This is me saying, yep, I get it. I get it. Yes, it is scary. And you know what? You're going to be okay. And I'm going to sit here with you and think through the tough issues with compassion, with ideas. I'm going to share some of the stumbles and fumbles and other F words. <laughs> 
and I've experienced, you know, to sort of tell my life story in a way that it will illuminate your path for you. So maybe you make fewer of the mistakes that I made. I have a lot of stories in this book from people of all walks of life who demonstrate how they are going about adulting. So this is my newest book, a love letter to people trying to live their best adult life, particularly young adults. And there's a new TED course. Uh, that's a new project. TED partnered with me to turn this into an asynchronous online course. So you can find that at courses.ted.com. And then because I'm trying to inspire young people to figure out who are you, what are you good at? What do you love? How are you going to find the Venn diagram of those things and go be that person and live that life? I've had to ask myself, Julie, are you where you want to be in your life right now? Like, are you feeling activated around your passion and your energy? Or have you been a little depressed because of the pandemic and a little scared because of America? The answer to those things is yes. And I've decided instead of like hiding in the, you know, putting my head in the sand or fleeing for Canada in the face of what's happening to our democracy, I've decided to stay and run for local office. So today, Winnie, you are literally the first person outside my campaign team that I'm telling. I've thrown my hat in the ring for a bid for Palo Alto City Council here in Silicon Valley. I'm terrified. I'm learning. I'm excited. All of those things, right? It's this combustive process of, you know, I might could try to do this and I'm gonna. So the election's in November and I'm, you know, win or lose, I know I'm going to learn a hell of a lot. And I think that's what it means to live Wow, Julie, we're talking like just over four months. The election's in November, and you, this is incredible. Okay, first off, I, I have questions. I have lots of questions here. First okay. off, I want to know, like, what inspired you? Why I do want to know what inspired you to write this book. That's one thing. But I also want to know what inspired you to get active and to run. Because let's be honest, politics doesn't have a great taste in a lot of people's mouths. And, and like... I don't know, you're a really nice person. You root for humans. You're helping people adult. I feel like you've got so many great things. You've got the TED course coming. You've got a lot of things working in your favor right now, Julie. Like, do you want the stress of running for an election? And why, why did you decide to do it? Uh, I think what I've learned and many of us have learned lately in America is that when you can't count on the Supreme Court anymore and you can't count on Congress necessarily anymore and you can't even count on half the citizenry to believe the truth, it's pretty scary. And so um, I think what I've done is taken that fear and decided to make something good of it by uh, turning it into this activation energy to work on the issues in my city that need help. So my city, like many, doesn't have enough housing, period. Also doesn't have anywhere near enough affordable housing. And this means that our teachers and our nurses and our firefighters and our retail workers and service workers often have to commute for 90 to 120 minutes a day just to get to their jobs here and back home, which is untenable. It's not a quality of life for them. It's putting all these greenhouse gases into the air, right? We need housing so people can live near where they work. That's my primary issue along with climate and youth mental health. Look, I'm trying to say, let's look at the systemic problems in America and do what we can to be a real leader in my city of Palo Alto, which is known for education and known for tech and biotech. Like, What if we were also a real leader around affordable housing and climate action and youth mental health, for example? So I'm pretty motivated to get some problem solving going and See what we can get done. 
I love it. I mean, and Julie, and for those of you who are watching, maybe aren't familiar with Palo Alto, Palo Alto is one of the most affluent communities in all of California. We're talking like they basically are a feeder to, to, stand, to Stanford University. This is like a really, really posh uh, area. And, and certainly, as you know, Silicon Valley companies have done very, very well. And therefore, a lot of employees who aren't making, they're making six figures, but they might not be making high six figures. They're having trouble um, finding affordable housing. So this is sort of the thing that Julie is talking about. Very interesting, Julie. And I'm sure, wow, I'm sure a lot of people are very excited about you running uh, for office. And I'm so grateful that you're sharing it with us here on the show. Now I'm going to circle back though, because I want to talk to you yeah. about your book. Right. Because what inspired your book? Like, was it your child? Yeah. Was it like your teaching? How did this come about? Yeah. I mean, they really sort of go together. Um, young people have been saying for some time that they find it daunting to enter adulthood. Whereas maybe in, in our generation, I think we're roughly the same age. Um, maybe, maybe I've just, you know, may, I might be older than you. I apologize if I'm making you older than you are, but anyway, Gen X and boomers, we just entered adulthood. It was like, yippee, I'm an adult. Thank you very much. Millennials were like, Hey, this looks really awful. And a lot of media people, a lot of influencers critique millennials like, Oh, they're snowflakes. Oh, they're so fragile. And I'm here saying I was a college Dean at Stanford. I worked with thousands of them. They're not snowflakes. They're amazing people who want to work hard. They want a chance, you know, to make something of their lives, just like all the older generations did. So we have to ask ourselves when what has changed and you know, better than most what has changed macroeconomically. In our America, it has become impossible to rent a home, buy a home, rent an apartment uh, on the wages and salaries that young people are earning these days. So wages and salaries have not kept up with the cost of living in many regions, including my own. And that is not the fault of the young adults. They're not fragile. We've let them down in terms of the way we've managed our economy and uh, the various policies that would be in place um, associated with housing. So um, I'm here with a lot of compassion for a whole generation that's feeling lost and afraid. I'm here saying, you know what? It is scary out there, but um, with a little help, a lot of hard work, you know, and some luck, you know, you're going to be absolutely fine. I think we all need to hear that, that we're all going to be absolutely fine. In fact, Julie, I, I just spoke to an employee group at NBC today, and you know, very, like you said, mostly Gen Z and millennials, and you're absolutely right. They're overwhelmed with student debt and credit card debt, and like, how are they going to pay rent? How are they going to ever be able to save up enough to buy a home and get that down payment right here, especially in certain cities here across America, it's just becoming, you're being priced out and you're outcompeted by other people that just have, just seem to have limitless amounts of money. You know, you talked about a little bit, you talked about the pandemic, you obviously, you know, things have changed quite a bit. And one thing that you and I noted in from one of our previous talks, you've talked about how people are struggling. I was wondering if you could maybe delve into that a little bit. How does your book help with people who are struggling? You're using examples and a mashup of genres and self-help, but yeah. what do you do there? Yeah. So this is a very big book. <laughs> One of the reasons I'm delighted that Ted partnered with me to develop a course. Some people can't get through a book that's 450 pages uh, and they need a different format uh, like video and exercises and so on. So that's awesome. The book is there for book lovers and it's rich with stories of other humans and to-do lists or not to-do lists, but like listicles of 
how to build a better character and how to hustle at work and how to be more effective in your relationships with humans and how to manage your money and how to cope with your mental health. Like there's so many um, self-help lists. And, um, you know, I think at the heart of it is I want you to know who you are. And that means know the self, not just your identities that you carry by choice or by obligation, your mental health conditions, your learning differences. I call these your situations, whether there's a diagnosis for it or not, but it's just difficult and challenging. Like know it, love the self that you are and be curious about how, what do I need to do to look after this self so that I can live the life that I want. I talk about the importance of, you know, being good at work, like hustling to get better and better in the workplace, to go from utterly dependent on other people to tell you what to do to completely independent. There's this five-step process you go through in the workplace to get more and more independent and therefore more useful and more dependent upon. Similarly, you got to level up in your relationships, right? You, you know, if you've had play dates arranged for you all your life, you may not be great at working out a way to compromise with your peers to communicate, cooperate, and ultimately um, be able to to work together. So whether it's work or relationships or money or self-help or overcoming perfectionism or coping when something bad happens, like a death in the family or an addiction or incarceration. I mean, my book goes into the deep spaces in which humans find themselves. And basically it's me there saying, you're not alone. I got you. I'm here. You matter. It all comes back to what you opened with, which is the opening words on my website. I'm rooting for humans. And this book is a book version of the embodiment of that intention. We'll be right back with Julie after this break. I'm Kwame Christian, and I am the CEO of the American Negotiation Institute, and I want you to check out my podcast, Negotiate Real Change. Listen to conversations with leaders in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, and learn the secrets behind what it really takes to become a successful advocate, ally, and change maker in your organization. Check out Negotiate Real Change on your favorite podcast player. I love that. It's almost like a life guide, right? To being a good human and to get through those times where you don't know who to go to, this is like your life guide, this 450 page. That's pretty cool, Julie. That's been pretty deep stuff. I, I kind of love tell you One more thing. Let me mm. tell you one more thing. Yes. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, go ahead. I've told you there are stories in there. It's like three dozen stories of other humans. Why? Because I'm a black and biracial, 53-year-old, cisgendered, queer bisexual woman, okay? I don't presume that my life experience is the same as yours or your producers or anybody listening. So if I'm going to write a book that purports to be about adulting, which is the phase of life you are in forever, if you survive childhood, I need to bring onto the page stories of people who are Asian and Latino and white and Native American and immigrants and been here forever and highly educated, hardly educated and have mental health issues. Okay. And are across the gender spectrum and the sexual orientation spectrum and different religions. Okay. Different things they do for a living. I had to go and find humans from all walks of life. Cause I want every reader to feel like, Oh my gosh, she, she was thinking of me when she wrote this paragraph. You know, I'm hoping every reader will have cause to feel seen because when we feel seen in a piece of writing or a movie or a, or a television, like, or in a conversation, like, it's like, I'm not irrelevant. Like I matter. I'm trying to convey that very respectfully to my reader by putting the stories of myriad people unlike me on the page. And then the beauty, Winnie, is look at what we all have in common. 
Okay, this queer person whose family was estranged because they couldn't accept his queerness, but they finally came around and grew. Look at how much he has in common with this straight person who was estranged from his family because they didn't like his choice of profession. And listen to the voices of both of them in the anguish of rejection of family, how they develop this sense of, you know what, this is who I am. And if my family can't accept me, well, ultimately that's on them. That's a, an example of the type of rich, um, authentic, I think powerful stories that people have given me permission to include in my book. I love that. It's just a core values and those core themes. I think we've all felt like we didn't belong, right? Or we weren't seen, like you said. I think it's a really powerful word. We felt like we weren't seen, but in this book, we can find correlations where people that you may never actually expose yourself to, you may never be in the same room as them, but you can find that commonality through a book. And maybe next time you find yourself in a situation with someone completely different from you, you can quickly identify what your core values are and perhaps your new best friend too, which is really exciting. What I wanna talk about this, I love this. So this book comes with the commitment to inclusion. I love this, the commitment to inclusion. Can we just like, I almost feel like we need to give a round of applause to the commitment to inclusion. We need more of that. So yeah, you need yeah. to talk to us about Julie. Is this gonna, I almost feel like this, this can almost be like your rally cry for like running for office here. Talk to well, us about this. Interesting. So in, yeah, thank you for mentioning it. It's something I'm, I was important to me and I'm, I'm proud of it. I've actually written up the commitment to inclusion. I have a little, you know, printed out PDF of it. It's on my website, julielithcotthames.com. This describes how I went out and found the various humans whose stories I put in the pages of your turn. And not only how I found that I found them and included them, but why it matters. And, you know, I just will sum it up. Too many authors, editors, and publishers across every genre embed characters and narratives with unnamed whiteness and other characteristics considered the norm and only identify race and other characteristics when these identities deviate from this assumed norm, blah, blah, blah. We all yearn to be included and therefore we have to change how we write books and, uh, you know, and, and be sure we're including everybody. So um, look, this is, this is a deeply held value of mine. I wrote my second book, Real American, a memoir on being black and biracial in white spaces dealing with microaggressions, dealing with racism, having those things distort my sense of self, make me loathe myself, even though I was outwardly successful. I was just trying to never be called the N-word again. So I am I just have a big heart for those who have been marginalized uh, being brought into the, to the center. Um, not to exclude those who have always been in the center, right? We, there's room for all. This is near and dear to my heart. And I'm secretly trying to change uh, publishing uh, with uh, the way in which I've written your turn. I feel like if anybody can do it, Julia, you can do it. We're excited to see where you, this heads uh, forward for you. But let's talk about this, though, because we couldn't have you on the show without asking you for some advice. So I want to ask you, Julie, for those who are watching you today, what is a bit, I mean, they haven't read your book yet, and but they really want to learn more about you. What, what's one piece of advice that you would love to give someone watching the show, maybe a young person, who's maybe trying to find their way and not sure if they feel like, you know, I just heard someone say like, you know, will I still, when I, will I feel like myself when I'm in my thirties or in my forties, like at what point will I feel comfortable? What's some important advice you have for young yeah. people who's trying to find their way? 
Yeah, you, we have an inner voice that we can get better and better at listening to. So, for example, many of us have what I call the cacophony, the noise in our heads of other people's voices, parents, extended family, whole ethnic community, our peers, like you should do this or you should be that or you ought to, right? The, the cacophony, the other people's voices will tell you what they think you ought to do. But I invite you to ask your own self, look for your, listen to your own voice, ask yourself this. What would I do if it was only up to me? What would I do if they uh, would love me no matter what? What would I do if no one else was watching? What would I do if I loved myself enough not to care about the potential judgment that would come? And if you go to a quiet place, go for a walk in nature or go under a hot shower or be alone in quiet space with a journal, ask yourself that and just you know, listen for the thoughts that come. That's your inner voice talking to you. And if you get the aughts and shows, well, you're always supposed to, we always thought you'd be a doctor. We all expect you to go to Wall Street. But like say to yourself, you know what? Just for a moment, I'm gonna turn those voices off because I want to just invite myself to answer. But what if it was just up to me? What would I do? Listen to that, step one. Step two, have the courage to honor it. And that's hard, but ultimately incredibly joyful. Let me put a pin in the fact that there is privilege associated with being able to even contemplate these questions. But I'm here to say, whether you're low income, struggling, or high income, things are easy for you. All along that spectrum, I think you still have control over what am I going to do next in furtherance of what I need. I love that. What are you going to do next? You're in control of that. Powerful, powerful stuff. So anything else that he didn't ask you that I should have asked you that you'd like to share with us? I think the one thing I'm just going to say is I don't purport to be better than anybody else. Um, I've had a lot of successes, but I've had a lot of stumbles and I'm continually learning and growing until I draw my last breath. And I want that for all of us in order to live this life fully. It's not about making it and coasting. It's about constantly asking, what can I learn now in order to be kinder, to be more gracious, and therefore to be more effective at everything I do? We believe that everyone has their own yes factor. Some people call it superpower. We here on the yes factor call it yes factor. What would you say, Julie, is your yes factor? I'm not sure I know the right way to put this, but the person or the thing that comes to mind is my life partner, Dan. We've been together since he was 19 and I was 20. And uh, we're about to have our 30th wedding anniversary and 34 years together. And we've grown up together. We've worked hard to continue to learn and grow in our marriage, in our relationship. And um, Dan is the, um, the thing I'm most proud I said yes to. And I'm proud of the fact that I have worked to be the partner he deserves. And having Dan in my life makes my life sublime. Dan is the best thing that ever happened to me. Oh, my goodness, Julie. I love this. And we love Dan. And we just love this story. And thank you so much for your graciousness, your honesty, and congratulations on your announcement today. We here at Level Up are rooting for you. And we are so grateful for, for you being here. And by the way, I got to mention this because Julie, didn't, we talked about this just a teeny bit, but Julie is a phenomenal public speaker, professional speaker. So if you get a chance to ever hear her speak, I think you're going to be in for a treat. But thank you so much, my friend, for being here and being so genuine with us. 
um, just just grateful. Just grateful. My pleasure. What a great human you are, great community you've got and that you've developed, Winnie. So such an honor to be with you and yours. And for anyone who listened to me and Winnie today, whatever came up for you is valid. It's a clue from you to you that what we said was important to you. So take that out into your evening, out into your weekend, okay? Out into August, like lean into whatever it was that came up for you as we spoke. That matters. That's your inner voice speaking. That's your inner voice. I love it. I love it. And see, Brian Schumann said, you never lose. You either win or you learn. And you always, and if, and if you get up each time you fail, you will always win. Amazing. That, Brian. Brian with the wisdom. Yeah, we love Brian Schumann. Thank you so much, Ryan, Thanks, for sharing Brian. that with us. And thank you, Julie, for all this. And definitely, uh, let's do it one more time. What's the book name, Julie, and where can we get it? Okay. Thanks, Winnie. The book is your turn. How to be an adult. This is the, my love letter to anyone struggling with adulting, whether you're 18 to 34 or in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, this book was written for you. Now that we've reached the end of our episode with Julie, I hope you've gained a little bit more clarity on how to live your best life, even through the fumbles and failures. I hope you know that Julie and I believe in you and know that you have the strength to succeed in whatever you put your mind to. If you're interested in hearing more on her incredible wisdom, be sure to check out her newest book, Your Turn, How to Be an Adult. If this episode resonated with you or if you have questions for Julie or myself, please comment and subscribe. I'd love to hear from you. And please join me again next week as we share another episode of Yes Factor with you. Thank you and be well.